0: Hello, everyone. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. My next guest represents a PR firm that oversees really the strategic direction of their award-winning cannabis programs, focused with every aspect of the cannabis industry. Their clients are coming from all places in cannabis, MSOs, cultivators processors, retailers, law firms, regulator, experts, they're all over the cannabis industry. They're very influential. They're friends of this show. My guest today is Mr. Jordan Eisenstadt, Senior VP at Marino PR in New York.
1: Jordan, how are you, man? Hey, Vern. How are you? Good to see you. Thanks for that intro. Appreciate you and all you do. Oh, I love it. Doing well. Coming live from New York City, so doing well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You sound live from New York
0: City, man. You have been great to us. Obviously, some of your clients have been on our show, and we are very appreciative of that. And Fly Profits is really put together and sponsored by Produce Global and Cannabis Radio. And, and uh, we're very appreciative of what you guys have done. And I thought it'd be a great idea to have you on the show because what you do is so important. Because what your clients do is so important to the cannabis industry about the things that they do, how people see them. All of that is very, very, very important in the industry. And so I really wanted to dive into that. Now, you are the VP, a senior VP at Marino PR. So let's talk about, well, well let's, first of all, let's do this let's let's let everybody kind of get a feel of how a guy like you can get to a place where you start a vertical of cannabis for a PR firm in New York City okay because that's what you did you began this thing that's you started yeah. a couple years ago and you 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 convinced some crazy person at Marino, that it could happen <laughs> so kind of what made you think you could do that what in your background made you think you could do that?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a journey uh, to get mm-hmm. to this point and and certainly a a dream come true in a way though I, I don't think I knew it was a dream until it was actually happening. But I started my career a little over 20 years ago. I had graduated from college with a degree in political science and sociology. I went right into working in government, working on sort of regulatory issues and mm-hmm. really got you know, engaged in sort of the the public political process. Okay. That was fun for five or six years. I actually did touch cannabis then at one point. One of the senators that I work for introduced uh, the first cannabis legalization bill in New York. It did not pass for about 15 years, but I feel like I, I touched it. I then started getting more into the communications side of the work. I was at a PR firm called Edelman for a little while, um, focused really kind of my craft on on, on on learning about learning more about PR and about professional PR then went back to government for a while. And really what what struck me about that experience in government, because I worked for Governor Elliot Spitzer, who I, okay. I don't know if your uh, audience is familiar with Governor Spitzer, but he was a, a governor in New York 2007, 2008. Uh, he came in really strong, went down in a prostitution scandal, um, yeah. I was part of the, the staff and we were all, you know, impacted by it. We all believed in government. We all believed in the process. And, you know, I have a lot of kind of crisis comm stories to tell from that, but I ended up getting out of government and and really never going back and really sort of looking at at the private sector and business and figuring out how could I, you know, do something that, you know, really creates change, but from the outside, because I realized that from the inside wasn't really going to work for me. So, fast forward to about seven years ago I landed at Marino I was working on a totally different file with higher education and organized labor actually uh which are clients that I do still work with but I said you know what cannabis is is coming to to legal cannabis is coming to New York uh the the medical okay. cannabis industry had just gotten propped up and I you know Learned what an MSO was. I started to educate myself. I was a personal consumer, but never really, you know, I hadn't really thought, how could I bring this into my professional life? And it just kind of happened and it just kind of manifested it. So I think really the main point of this is that I manifested it Mm. and I was able to convince uh, leadership here, John Marino and Frank Marino, to take a chance and let me start to investigate this this sector, which, you know, at that point, 2016, 2017, some people had been in it for a decade already. But at this point, I'm kind of an OG having been in the space about six and a half years. So we started the practice in about 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, We got a, a big client kind of right off the bat, one of the MSOs. And we learned a ton just from 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 that work for about two years, and then we started to leverage that work and diversify. And we now have you know dozens of cannabis clients, everything from you know like you said before, from the operators to the cultivators to the retailers to the experts, kind of from outside of the industry. We work with a lot of cannabis tech companies now, um, so right. it's been a really fascinating opportunity to learn about this this industry and 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 make it happen. And I mean and that's what I've frankly learned with most people in this industry that I meet, most people are just making it happen. You know, we're yeah. we're, we're literally we're, we're 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 building the plane while we're flying it. And so everyone everyone is entrepreneurial um in this space and it's been wonderful for me as a business professional because I discovered things about myself that I never knew about before. I I wasn't as entrepreneurial before. You know, I've gotten really entrepreneurial in the last seven years.
0: (laughs) What's right today is wrong tomorrow.
1: Yes. That's right.
0: That's cannabis,
1: right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Always changing.
0: Always, always changing. That's quite interesting. What are some of the interesting challenges is is running PR for cannabis for, for the cannabis vertical. What are some of the interesting PR things that have evolved over the last couple of years in New York City? that is major job challenging, rewarding, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So um, so so just to be uh, clear also, we, we do have a very strong New York practice, but we do work with cannabis companies that are kind of non-agnostic or that are agnostic to states. And then we do yeah. also work with some MSOs that are in multiple states. So while sure. a chunk of our work is in New York and we are very much on top of New York and the policy and everything that's going on here, which I'm happy to get into shortly. Right. We do cross state lines, essentially, and we've even done some work globally. Um, yeah. to, to your question about the the challenges, I mean, the biggest challenge with, with cannabis PR, which I suppose is also the biggest opportunity, is that cannabis companies cannot market and advertise themselves the way that any other business in america or or the world can they cannot use social media in the same way you know and that all has to do with banking issues which i know you've discussed on the show and maybe when yeah. safe or safer banking actually passes um we'll be in a position yes yeah, safer now we'll be in a different position but right now there are huge um, regulatory hurdles when it comes to marketing and advertising for cannabis brands. so that's why what we often talk about when we're you know prospecting prospecting for new clients or just you know pitching new clients is about the fact that you need a really strong PR plan and strategy and approach and if you don't mm-hmm. you're you're missing a huge opportunity because cannabis consumers are looking for an authentic brand. And they want to learn about it, and you know most cannabis consumers learn about brands right from the bud tender, or they just know them by reputation because they're not right. going to learn about them through advertising, they're not going to learn about them through social media, they're not going to learn about them through the normal means that people learn about the places and that they frequent or the things that they do. So that's why a really strong PR plan uh, and PR team is really necessary because that earns media story, which is what PR is. It's it's what we call earns media. Becomes so incredibly sure. essential. Sure.
0: Hey, give me an example of success story. Because, and, and we we can. We, I was talking about New York, but I know you represent folks that own brands that that go across the whole nation, right, and the whole legal marketplace. But what, what's a what's a what's something that you know you come back home in the evening and you say that was good, right? We did good today. What is that? What is yeah, that look that like?
1: Yeah. So, so now I I will talk about one of our our New York clients uh, and and hopefully they'll be a, a future guest on the show. Um, okay, but Beacon Skiff uh, and heirloom are it's so so Beacon Skiff is a New York brand. It's actually a hundred and ten year old um, apple orchard based based in upstate New York, and so you know they've been the, voted the most popular apple orchard in upstate New York for decades. About twenty years ago, seeing that you know, the apple picking business isn't, you know, kind of keep the farm for the next generation, they started um, making ciders and they started making hard ciders because, you know, they had all these extra apples, right? So they started making ciders. Then they got into the spirit business. Um, and so they started making various types of spirits, and they're all inspired by apples, you know, Honeycrisp vodka and things like that. And so they really got into <clears throat> the in, into the alcohol business and the 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 bottling you know business. And then about five years ago, they got a hemp license and they started. They were one of the pioneers in New York growing CBD products. So that was around the time that we met Beacon Skiff because at, at that time it was that was really the entity it was Beacon Skiff and Beacon Skiff Research. And so basically, right from the bat, we started. Pitching this, you know, family-owned apple orchard that you know had pivoted and pivoted again, and at the time they were planning to pivot into legal cannabis as well. We just weren't there yet in New York, so we, you know, we pitched all these amazing stories <laughs> that landed in you know national publications, New York-based publications about how this brand was this family-owned brand was sort of reinventing itself constantly. Sort of every new generation; they're on the fifth generation of of beaks and beaks and skips who own uh, the, uh, the, the farm. Uh, and so they keep on reinventing themselves. And so we were sending ciders and um, the CBD products. We had a pretty aggressive gifting program as well. We were gifting to Media and other influencers. And so, you know, you started to see about two and a half, three years ago, we started to work with them. You started to see more, more, you know, brand awareness of Beacon Skiff. You started to see more reviews about their ciders. Influencers started to, you know, do these unpacking of these great boxes of CBD products that they were sending. And so we really helped kind of put them on the map outside of the apple picking, which they were very much on the map for that. Then, about a year and a half ago, when they got their uh, conditional cultivation license, they started growing cannabis and their brand was heirloom, A-Y-R-L-O-O-M, which is touches on heirloom apples. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a fun kind of play on words. And they dug into their strength, which is beverages. They have they had you know this large bottling facility for CBD beverages and alcoholic beverages. They built the largest THC bottling facility on the East Coast. And so again, very, very newsworthy. You know, we got a lot of press for both the the construction of that um, that facility, the rollout of their products. Their products were some of the first ones on the shelves in New York. And they continue to innovate and kind of push the envelope. Uh, they just released a Honeycrisp cannabis beverage, which is delicious. And um, so if you're in New York, um, yeah. you're you know checking out New York's legal market you can buy their product on the shelves of our of our legal stores. But long story short, they are a great example of a New York brand that we have worked with, continue to grow with, um, and continue to sort of build their reputation. And soon they're going to be lo- you know looking at other states as well. they are a really exciting and innovative brands and a great you know kind of case study for us in terms of how they've grown with us and we've grown with them.
0: That's perfect. That's great. I tell you what, uh, Jordan, we're going to take a quick break and come back, and we're going to dig into more of what you guys do at Marino PR. My guest today is Jordan Eisenstadt, and Jordan is a senior VP at Marino PR, and he has done some tremendous things uh, in the cannabis. He is an OG, as he said uh, before. I'm Burn Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce. Global. We'll be right back after this break. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Welcome back, everyone. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Jordan Eisenstadt. He is the senior VP of Marina PR. He leads the cannabis effort from a PR perspective. Tremendous clientele you know, before the break, we just heard a great story by one of his clients. And and Jordan, I wanna just pick up from that, right? From a technique and how you do things in PR, because you've done PR for less, I would say, regulated businesses, maybe, than than cannabis. What are some of the things that, that you are finding that work? Now I don't want you to give away the secret sauce, but what that, that you find that really is working and is just really blocking that you now put in that folder called blocking and tackling I got to do for every client?
1: The fact that you can't advertise, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, really, right. you know, it, it it does create this need for some kind of alternative marketing mix, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to PR... The the two things that that we're doing most with our clients in terms of the messaging is humanizing them because people look at at cannabis and and they don't necessarily see that this is actually a, a human driven industry. It's a product for humans. Uh, humans work at MSOs. Humans are coming up with all these kind of creative ideas and creative platforms. So we are often seeking to humanize um our our clients give a little peek behind the curtain what problem are they solving stuff like that the other thing that we're we're often really focused on is the destigmatization and and normalization of cannabis because as you know Vern there's so much misinformation out there about cannabis and it's it's, it's our responsibility, I think, as, as a PR shop, but also, you know, and we use our clients sort of as the messenger. But, you know, we can help be a vehicle for um, driving, you know, correct information about this sector. So, you know, whether that is about, you know, the people who, who, who work there or the, the types of products that they're making or the impacts and effects that it will have on your body or, you know, there's a lot of discussions about, you know, cannabis and minors, cannabis and dry videos. You know, there's, there's lots of controversial topics here. And oftentimes our clients are sort of serving as, as you know, a voice to, sure. to sort of clarify, you know, some of these uh, ongoing debates.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I totally uh I totally believe that is is the case. And uh, as you work and you look at the, the community and the normalization and the destigmatization, the destigmatization, let me get it out. The industry and you're working to do that, if you're getting a lot of pushback from from the community in the can in the cannabis community about doing that or oh, I would think people would think we're doing it too fast.
1: In so in in the cannabis community, that yeah. we're doing it too fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I definitely could see that perspective. I think there are also some people that would say we we can't do it fast enough because there's there's a lot of federal change that needs to happen. There's a lot of discussions right now about you know whether it's mm-hmm. rescheduling or safer banking or whatever the case may be, and all these things. You know, could could you have imagined this a decade ago? You know, so it's kind of it's kind of remarkable how far we've come in the last, you know, 10 years. So it does feel like there's a sort of a rapid, you know, sort of destigmatization that that is happening. Uh, The problem is, is that there are still significant pockets where there are, you know, where there's incorrect information about, you know, like I'm I'm a parent. Right, and so there's there's a lot of judgment about you know cannabis as a as as a parent you know coming from you know the community that that I live in, and so you know it's it's important to show that you know I'm a I'm a I, I'm a cannabis consumer and I am a I'm in the cannabis industry and a and a professional and you know you you as well Vern you know it's like right. professional we're all professionals here we're all trying to build this industry together and so. You know, I think, I think honestly that, that some of that desigmatization and normalization can't, can't really come fast enough because I, I think the train's already left the station.
0: I agree with you. And that's why, and, and I've had some shows that we talked about that. I've done some writing that I talk about that. The normalization is the key to everything. Actually, normalization really is going to help get some of this legislative stuff done. Right? When people yep. can walk out and see this is normal. Right? The crime rate didn't go up. Right. The, the, exactly. The, the violent crime rate did especially did not go up because this stuff is legal. Okay. Yep. So and, and so when when something like rescheduling, who just 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 came to the news not long ago, just recently, comes about, what do you advise your clients to do with that? When that makes news, we hear—we all hear about it kind of at the same time. You probably and your clients know it's coming, maybe before others. But then we all hear about it. How do you build on that with your
1: clients? Yep. So rescheduling would would fall in in what we would call kind of thought leadership, right? Because that's that's not that's not our news, right? You know, I mean, a lot of the time, what we're doing for our clients is either creating news from them or, or or pushing out their news. They're opening a dispensary, they're launching a new product, whatever the case may be. With right. rescheduling, that falls in, in, in again, the, the thought leadership topic, which means how can we get our clients into a story on rescheduling? And so every client is different, right? So we have clients who are lawyers and so mm-hmm. they would get into the story as the legal expert. Because, you know, th- think about stories that you read, right? I mean, oftentimes, like, There's a legal expert, you know, maybe there's someone who's on the front lines, who's like a retailer who's going to be impacted. And then there's maybe someone who's, you know, on the on the tech side. I mean, I'm kind of just making up these buckets. That's sometimes how media sort of thinks of these things. So that's how we think about things. How can we how can we be a resource to media? How can our clients help kind of fill in the gaps with these stories? So, again. We've got the, you know, some really bright legal minds um in our um in our clientele. So we'll pitch them as the legal experts. We have small business owners in New York, some of whom have just opened their store under the the New York program or are hopefully gonna be opening their stores soon, which we can get into at another time. But yeah, you know, how are they gonna be impacted by rescheduling? And you know, will help write a statement or will, you know, talk about what it might be or get them on the phone with a reporter to talk about kind of how they're impacted on the ground. Another piece would be a, a client like Dutchie, which we sure. work with. And they're a, you know, national payment, POS, e-commerce right. tech company. And so sure. they, they're they very unique in the space because they're across every state where there's legal cannabis. Uh, and other countries. And yeah, Sure. And the other countries exactly, and so they have a, a a huge you know stake in this, but also a lot of insight because they see what's going on in each dispensary. So they have a lot to say about rescheduling. They have a lot to say about safe or safer banking. So you know what we do is we sort of package up all the experts who could yeah. speak on X topic, and then we go to the reporters and 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 you know again like our job really is to. To be to have a synergistic relationship with the media, and so we we need to to feed the beast. That's what Frank Marino always says. We need to feed the beast, and so you, w- the way you feed the beast is you give them what they want, and that's why you know PR is one of those challenging kind of areas as as a you know consultant for a lot of brands because sometimes you have clients who want to feed the beast things that the beast doesn't care about, right? So that's part of what we do is we're in between, and so we say. The, this is what the beast actually needs right now. They're like th- this is what they're interested in. They don't care about your launch. They care about your perspective on X. And sometimes those are the hard conversations that we have to have with our clients. That being said, you know th- this is being recorded in late September, so the last month has been a banner month for cannabis, both nationally um, and then also in New York. I mean, there's been a, okay. just a ton of ton of news that's going on, and so there's there's a lot for our clients to talk about and say. Yeah,
0: that's great for you. And that's great for your clients because at the end of the day, they want to launch a product. They want to launch a store. They want to launch a state. The fact that you're putting them out front helps all of them. Helps all exactly. Of them. That, that's absolutely so important. i tell you what, Jordan, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be, be back. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits and Plant Profits is Proudly brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Mr. Jordan Eisenstadt. He is the CEO VP at Marino PR. We're having fun. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Welcome back, everyone. This is Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is proudly brought to you by Protus Global. Mr. Jordan Eisenstadt. Jordan is a senior VP at Marino PR. He's also a great friend of mine in the show. And Jordan is laying down some knowledge about what's happening in cannabis from the lens of PR. And I think that's that's critically important. And PR is such, Jordan, such an important part of accomplishing the overall objectives for the entire industry, right? And, I, you know, you're like, PR is like any other part of any other industry, right? PR for cannabis is some people do it well. Some people don't do it so well. That is critically important. And it's very competitive. There's several of you out there in the same space, in the same very volatile space. And so how do you guys separate yourself from the competition? (laughs)
1: Love that question. So, Part of what I think is our special sauce over here at Marino PR is that we have a we we have a, a team that specializes in cannabis, but the agency is actually much much larger than that. So my team is myself and three others, uh, but the agency is sixty people. So we're we're not you know we're not one of the large you know crazy large PR firms. We're you know a mid sized boutique PR firm. But about of those 60, 50 of them are publicists, 10 of them are digital strategists. And we have a real estate practice, a lifestyle practice, a public affairs practice, a corporate practice. So we have a ton of expertise in different areas. And to be honest, most of our clients, while they are looking for cannabis PR, most of them are also looking for mainstream PR. And so that could Mm -hmm. be they have, you know, they're more of a lifestyle brand. So Mm -hmm. we'll take someone from the lifestyle team and bring them over to our team for that assignment. Um, You know, I mentioned we have some cannabis tech companies. We have some people Mm -hmm. who are sort of more tech and B2B specialists. We'll bring one of them over to our team. Uh, Or if the assignment's more on the regulatory side, we have people from public affairs who could come in. Point being, we have great talent at the agency and most of our teams are hybrid teams. So it's not sort of you know we're, we're some of our you know competitors they're they're great I don't say anything sure. negative about hey them sure I they they do you know some of them exclusively focus on cannabis VR which I do think can be a little limiting so mm-hmm. I think part of the strength here is that we have a really sort of diverse cast of characters here with various knowledge and so yeah. we can you know kind of build teams that are responsive to what you know, what the assignment is. The other thing I would say too, is, is that a lot of people at Merino come from government. And I think yeah. that helps a lot because anything in cannabis, even if it's just, even if it's a product, right? That's, yeah. that's not even, maybe it's not accessory. You still care about the regulatory framework and the regulatory world. The policy still matters. So that's I think that's cool. A yeah a lot of us have that government background a political background. I think it, mm-hmm. it helps us a ton. we have a campaign mindset in most of what we do uh,
0: that's that's a great point. one point you brought up there in the middle of that was the fact that you have different verticals in the in the business and you guys are just you're one of several. I love that because my company's structured that way. it's structured the same we have different verticals. What I love about it is that the person in the vertical Gets in the trees, excuse the pun, right? And you have an opportunity to associate very easily with folks who are looking at you from a distance and what you guys are doing. And you you have to use that, right? You use that. I use that. I think that's important.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you need to. You know, we need to collaborate, right? So right. I think there's like a ton of opportunity. Um, for people with sort of, you know, different knowledge bases, different skill sets to come in and and contribute. Definitely been something that's worked really, really well for us. And, you know, like I said, most of our, most of our teams are for, you know, our client teams are not just four of us. Oftentimes it's, you know, structured differently because, you know, this client's looking for tech PR. This client's looking for women's magazines or whatever the case may be. And th- that's the other interesting thing too about cannabis PR too is is that most most clients come to us looking for mainstream media, and that again goes back to that 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 normalization, right? It's so important that we get the average person reading about cannabis in you know whether it's like the New York Times or the local sarasota paper or you know wherever you are it's it, it it's a topic that matters in your local paper because it's impacting your community in some way shape or form and if you're ignoring it you know it's at your own risk
0: yeah that's great let's get a little philosophical what's your perspective on the current state of cannabis industry
1: nationally or 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 locally
0: yeah I, I want you to start nationally and then go go to new york
1: i mean look Federal federal prohibition is the largest challenge, and I mean everything that we're dealing with now with you know rescheduling and and safe. I mean we need to mm-hmm. slowly you know break down um, these blocks. The problem is my biggest concern about the future of this industry is that based on the way the system has been built, you're yeah, gonna you're gonna now end up with dozens of states with legal cannabis markets that were kind of built into the state that are not really necessary, right? Because once you break down interstate commerce, right, then California has enough weed to, you know, satisfy the nation. You know, like there's not there's no need to grow cannabis in Florida. No offense to Florida. But there's
0: there's, there's no there's tons of redundancy. Yes.
1: There's so there's so much redundancy in this system and it's all yes. because of federal prohibition. So That's my concern is that you're going to have all these entrepreneurs in state markets that were like promised the world. And then in 10, 15, yeah, look, I don't think we're on the precipice of federal legalization either. I think think it'll be a lot slower than people think, but it will happen hopefully within a decade. But that's my biggest concern is that there's going to be a lot of disappointed uh, bankrupt people, communities that were really banking on cannabis. So you know, I, nationally, I think we've got a long—we we have a very long road to to go. Though, I'm um, I'm happy about the incremental progress. But we have a really, really long way to go. Yeah.
0: Uh, I I I I hear you on that. I mean, so I was so excited when the rescheduling thing happened, and then what just bugs the hell out of me is that I'm I'm starting to hear the chimes about safe. That we heard the same time a year ago right so tell
1: me is it real I think it's real in that the they've gotten more senators on board and yeah. so it, <laughs> I think it will there'll be more movement this year but I, does it does it pass in the house that's really the question I mean it's it's great maybe we can get it further along in the Senate but okay. you know our governmental system that requires it to also be passed in the House of Representatives which I don't know. I don't know if there's a pathway there. I know a bill has been introduced in the House, but that but the House hasn't marked it up. So I, I don't I don't think it's real, real. I think mm-hmm. it's exciting. I think it's good yeah. for the market. I mean, we've yeah. seen, you know, if you follow um the the markets, um, yeah. you know, certainly the 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 cannabis stocks have have had a nice little run here, but it's really just based on, oh, we're gonna vote on it in a few weeks. You know, I mean that's yeah. really the the the, the sum of that. I mean, I think rescheduling is much more real. I mean, that is that is yeah. a real thing. We just have to see what the DEA does.
0: Yeah, What exactly. Uh, you know, I, I I just wonder and I'm always thinking about this is why one of the major political parties just don't put their total love and respect and arms around the industry. And bring it forward. No one wants. I, I don't. I don't see anybody owning it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and, and that—that's the truth. Yeah. I think there are some there. There are some smart or younger people in the party who I think might change that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're starting to see some of them, uh, like a Nancy Mace uh, and others who are, you know, really trying to, you know, make the point. Like this is a, this is a business. And, you know, there's a business opportunity here for, for, you know, for, for a number of our states, but it's, you know, look, it's a, it's a thorny issue on, on the Republican side, but sure. you, you, you know, you got to, I mean, look, there are very few issues in this country. We're a very divided country, but like, yeah. I think the latest research said that 91% of Americans support medical cannabis in their communities, just medical, not adult. use yeah. support medical. You can't get 91% of Americans who grant anything. <laughs> Anything.
0: It, it's widely acceptable. It's widely acceptable. And and you know what? We're in a democracy or not a true democracy, but we're we're somewhere in that democracy
1: Maybe. arena. Or a, a constant, constitutional republic. But yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you you should get the people should get what they want, right? And the people that you vote in just don't do what the people want. You know, it's it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. This is a wonderful conversation. i loved every second of it, man. And I want to thank Sam for being here and, and uh, being a friend of the show. We're blessed for that. So I really appreciate you for that. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is proudly brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today was Mr. Jordan Eisenstadt, Senior VP at Marina PR. And, Jordan, again, I want to thank you. And I want to thank everyone else for joining us. You can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on all of platforms, the platforms of podcasts Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, iHeart, everywhere we are there. So do that. And then go to my company, Protest Global, on LinkedIn, on all the social media sites. We are there in force. And you can see how we're building companies and how we're changing the lives of people that we put in those companies at produceglobal.com. P-R-O-T-I-S com. Until next time, I'm Vern Davis, host of Plant Profits. Cheers.